And welcome back to Harry Potter and the Reread Podcast. I'm your host, David Jensen, and joined, as always, by Kyle Jens. Kyle, how are you? I'm good. Ready, ready to go. It's been a lot of fun reading this book. And there's, I remember you saying that this wasn't necessarily your your favorite book or your favorite movie. But I'm finding through these early chapters, I'm I'm just endeared with a lot of the characters and the situations and also finding myself with like extreme hatred of some of these characters <laughs> as well which yeah. we'll, we'll get into for sure but um yeah it's everything's kind of taken shape we're back at hogwarts maybe only like 50 pages into the book instead of like 120 that it was in the first yeah so. <laughs> definitely a faster return to hogwarts which i, I appreciate yeah i don't know I, I i'm not enthralled yet uh with this book but we'll see how it we'll see how it unfolds i'm it's not like it's a bad book by any by any stretch. It's just, I don't know, this this particular plot line never gripped me. So we'll see. It is fun though to to get um some of these memory prods in it. There was quite a bit of like really teeny tiny details that I never would have remembered without reading the book. Less like plot points, but it was just like, oh, this and then that and then that and like. So, just the tiny little details of how one thing leads into the next and kind of pushes yeah. the story forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, so, let's review what let's we're going to go through. It. Yeah. And we can uh, talk about some of those, some of those specifics as we go in. What are yeah. we to talk about today? So we got chapter five and chapter six on the docket here from Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Chapter five, uh, the Whomping Willow. And then we get to meet uh, or get to see a little bit more of uh, Glittery Lockhart. That's the chapter That's name. That's not his name. Glitter Try that again. Glittery? It's not glittery. It's not glittery. 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 G-L-I-T-T-E-R-E. Glitteroy? Uh, Gilderoy. Gilderoy. What a weird name. Gilderoy <laughs> Lockhart. G-I-L. Less weird than glittery Lockhart. <laughs> glittery. <laughs> I prefer glittery. Anyway, why don't you take us away with uh, chapter five, the Whomping Willow. Yeah, we'll get started and we'll see all about old glittery in a minute or two. Uh, so Harry spent the month at the borough and the next, they'd reached to the time of that, the time, that time of year when it's time to head back to Hogwarts. So Arthur had bewitched the car, so they were going to put all of the people and all of the things in there and then, and then drive over. As they were trying to leave, they had a few false starts, different kids forgetting different items, but they were on their way. However, they were a bit behind schedule. Arthur wanted to fly because that was going to help them make up time, but that was a no from Molly. So they do arrive at the platform, but they only have about five minutes to spare before the train is supposed to leave. The Weasleys all head through to platform nine and three quarters. Harry and Ron are going to be the last to come through, but as they try and enter the train platform together, their carts crash into the wall and their stuff ends up everywhere. They don't know why they couldn't get through and Ron is worried that his parents won't be able to get back through. So Harry suggests that maybe they should wait by the car and Ron suggests that maybe they should just fly the car to Hogwarts. So of course they decide to fly the car to Hogwarts. They're going to follow the train um, to Hogwarts, which they do, but before they even really get going, the invisibility button or engine or whatever fails. And the car ends up getting tired and the engine just dies. So they follow the car, but not successfully, or follow the train, but not successfully. Um, they end up falling out of the sky as they reach the grounds and hit the Whomping Willow. The car did not take kindly to being hit by the Whomping Willow. Sorry, the tree did not take kindly to being hit by the car, 
and starts hitting them back. And the car comes back to life, the helps the boys avoid the tree, throws them and all their stuff out, and then retreats into the forest. And in all that commotion, Ron's wand ends up being snapped in half. They head up to the castle to try and take a sneak peek into the hall, and they notice that the sorting ceremony is going on. They see that Snape is actually not present, uh, and that's because it turns out he was waiting for them to show up. And that the monk, he informs them that muggles had seen the, them fly the car and that they are to be punished. His preference would be that they're expelled, but it's not up to them. So he goes and gets Professor McGonagall, who wants to understand what had happened. And she takes care to point out how stupid their plan really was. Then Dumbledore shows up and he also wants to know why did they do what they did and impresses how serious what they did was. McGonagall punishes them, but, or, or says they will, she will be punishing them, but they will not be expelled. And then somehow they convinced her not to take house points away from Gryffindor. I don't understand that. Um, but then they head back to the Gryffindor common room where the majority of students are treating them as heroes. Harry does notice that Percy is pretty upset. So he signals to, to Ron that they should get out of there. They head up to their, their I don't know what to call it, actually, their room with all the other bunk beds um, so that they don't celebrate in front of everyone. But their other friends are also pretty excited and, and they all sort of take a moment to enjoy it um, and enjoy what had happened. There was also a bunch of exposition on the characters that we are already uh, well familiar with. And that really is what goes down in, in chapter five. The boys fly a, a car uh, with the train and crash it into a tree. Not a great idea. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, I think obviously there's kind of two key things here. And I, I'm, I'm curious to know what you think. I have a feeling we probably agree, but this is the stupidest thing that these two have done so far in the book series i'd have to say this whole flying the car well, idea yeah. what do you think it's of a it terrible idea. oh my goodness is it, so how long did they wait to see if <laughs> molly and arthur could come back through the barrier like 25 seconds they didn't like, even wait a full minute they didn't even wait they didn't even are like okay let's just sit here and see what happens they're all like oh what they must be trapped there and you know if we didn't hit the train we're obviously expelled from school now no no it's such a terrible way to think about it so this is this is a horrible decision like they don't think that molly and arthur wouldn't have noticed that they didn't come through the platform and make it onto the train it, to me also, it's it's the equivalent of like do you remember when you were a kid and if you're like at a big event or a busy shopping mall and, and like your parents are like if you get lost, you just stand here in this one spot, do not move, and I will come find you. I mean, I feel like this was the equivalent. If they would have just waited there, yeah, it would have been so, fine. Exactly. So, so who do you think is sort of more to blame here? Is it Ron for coming up with this ridiculous idea, or is it Harry for not telling him how ridiculous this idea is? That's the thing that kind of surprised me, because it's a little out of, like... I always talked about last book, how impressed I was with like Harry's um, awareness and his ability to kind of think things through. And he didn't showcase any of any that of in this situation. 
if I feel like he should have been the one to be like, Hey, why don't we just wait? Or as McGonagall even says later on, she's like, why didn't you just send an owl? Like uh, send us a letter. You had an owl. And they were like, Oh, good idea. So Harry wasn't thinking either, but it's very characteristic of him to just kind of go along with it. It's almost, it's, it's uncharacteristic of both of them really. Like neither of them are known to panic. Well, I guess maybe Ron's known to panic a little bit. And we're going to see some more panic um, mm-hmm. from him later in this book. But Harry is definitely known to not panic, like, like explicitly not panic. And it was, yeah. he had the right idea. The right idea is wait at the car because you know they will end up back there at some point. There's more to that. So to me, I, I, think, I, I think I do blame Harry a little bit because the idea, like, make up any ideas you want but then agreeing to it because that reinforces the idea there were so many better ideas it yeah there there were a lot lot more better ideas to be had i think ultimately i blame ron or get give him the biggest blame in this because it was his idea from the get-go i wonder how much maybe idea but the idea is not as bad if it happens in two hours if yeah. they've been waiting for two hours right like so that's why i think like the idea is not the worst part it's that they just <laughs> was... didn't they just like they didn't wait they just were like oh but we have to do it literally so, like 30 seconds after they couldn't get through they they needed to follow the train and i guess maybe the reasoning is because they needed to follow us that they knew where they were going maybe that's the only thing but still at the same time it, it it's just ridiculous part of me has to wonder though maybe ron and harry wanted to do it because they wanted that type of cool kid reaction i mean you could tell internally that they were pretty enamored with the idea of like coolly landing the car down into the front grass and seeing the look of fred and george's face like i think ron wanted to stand out a little bit once they got into it I, i think they let themselves have those types of ideas i i think they just it was like a pure panic move that that really didn't need it, it was needless right and like they they just in general have better ideas than this like this is like i agree this is this is their worst idea yet for sure mm-hmm. and it's like their worst idea for a while <laughs> because not like not because even because of how it turned out but just because of how dumb it was right away like, I just can't get over the fact that this was like an immediate thought to be like, we have to do it right away. Otherwise, you're like, I, I get you could be right. Like, we could follow the, the train, but they could also follow the train tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, or they could have just waited for Arthur and Molly <laughs> to find them, which they would have. Or in the end. any other adult wizards. <laughs> like, nobody ever misses the train. Of course they do. There's other ways to get there. Or they'll send the train back. Like, yeah, it's just like, oh my gosh. What what did you think of like the overall trip itself? So basically the way that it goes in the book is they, they're hiding in the clouds and every half an hour they dip down into down below to see where things were at. And it kind of describes like at the beginning, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to be so cool arriving in this. But I, I kind of forgot and thought it was interesting how the description all of a sudden gets to the, the point where it kind of sounded like they were driving like in my old 
car, like a 2004 Honda Accord with no air conditioning, the shirt they describe sticking to their back from the sweat because they're literally above the clouds directly in the sun and yeah. just suffering through it. It kind of seemed like the longer that they were in there, the less of a good idea it seemed like for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's safe to say they didn't think it through. They also thought they were going to be invisible. So they thought they wouldn't have to fly above the clouds. But yeah, I mean, it was a bad idea. There, there's really no no arguments to, to, to get on it. And once you're right, once the, um, the exhilaration wore off, they kind of realized like, oh, now we're in this hot car until we get there. And I don't know if we know how long the train ride takes, but a couple we're looking hours, at a few hours. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, driving in the car is for a few hours. It's not that fun. So <laughs> it was just a bad idea. And then I sort of had some thoughts about like the actual mechanics of the flying car where, okay, if the engine died and the engine is what was keeping it in the air, why didn't they plummet to the ground immediately? And if, they sort of were able to kind of glide and steer down, which it sounds like they were. Yeah. They couldn't avoid the ginormous tree. <laughs> it feels like they should have been able to guide it a little bit better. It's not like, I imagine there's or, some big open area around the, the grounds there that they could have landed in or at least guided the car to. Yeah. All in all, taking the car worked out pretty badly, I would say. We're speaking of directing it into a tree. We, of course, get introduced to the Whomping Willow. I have a question for you. What, what's, what's so special about this tree and why is it so important? Like Snape describes it at least two times in the book that they destroyed a very valuable tree. Why? It just seems dangerous. Well, um, I mean, I think Snape is just annoyed, so he's overreacting but tree guides a secret pass or or protects the secret passage to the shrieking shack right mm. so like that's what it that's what it's there for it's there to make it difficult to get into that secret passage like that's the whole point of the tree we, we talk about the tree a lot more in the next book but the tree the tree like and there's like a, a way to freeze the tree from like attacking you there's like a secret knot you can press like a knot in the tree mm -hmm. um so that's what that's what it does. So it has some value. Um, and I think that's why it's able to sort of like swing back and protect itself because its job is to protect the entrance to that secret passage. Okay. See, I thought, I don't know, I, I forgot about that. But even like, I feel like in the first book, when Dumbledore was talking about staying away from the third floor corridor because it'll kill you. I mean, I feel like they probably should have mentioned that to the Whomping should have mentioned years as well. Like, hey, stay away from this tree too because it could it could mess you up as well. Yeah, yeah. And we don't know all the rules. Maybe the tree only uh, gets angry if you try and like touch it or whatever. But yeah, probably should have been mentioned. That's about all that I had on the Whomping Willow, but I yeah. had actually forgotten about its backstory a that's little fair. bit. So No, that's fair. Uh, yeah, otherwise it's just a really un unfortunate uh, circumstance that that's the tree they ended up crashing into could have been um, anything considering there's a forbidden forest around that they could have crashed in and probably would have been safer there well maybe not maybe yeah. not there's some spiders in that forest that maybe uh, could cause some issues so uh what what sort of stuck out to you from this chapter is something that maybe you didn't remember uh before we started reading i remembered most of it which i mean when we described it it was basically they can't get through the platform they take the car they crash it into the whomping willow they get in trouble 
kind of get in trouble anyway. Yeah. Um, I just I had forgotten. I guess the only thing that really stood out to me, or maybe go, oh, interesting, was uh, the fact that Snape was the one who discovered them. So I mean, it makes sense that the person or the professor who hates them the most discovers them. But that was just like a tiny detail that I had forgot had forgotten about. Yeah, yeah. For me, I had a detail. The whole like leaving for Kings Cross, I forgot about. He had bewitched the car so they could all fit inside of it, mm-hmm. and that they sort of stopped and start and started because people kept forgetting things, which was what caused them to be late. But specifically, I had forgotten that Molly had told Arthur that they could not fly in broad daylight. So it had foreshadowed how bad an idea it is to fly this in broad daylight. Yeah. Um. And then I actually forgot that the reason the the car crashed was because it the the car like the engine died because it just had been overworked and and I knew they crashed but I had sort of forgotten that that whole piece occurred to, that it kind of triggered yeah. the crash I sort of thought that they flew in my mind they flew beside the tree and it just hit them uh, but that's clearly not what happened <laughs> anything that uh, didn't make sense to you this this chapter y- yeah so a couple things. Why don't we stick on the forgotten items things first? The things that they forgot are just not things that people would forget. Fred is not going to forget his broom. No. And Ginny is not going to forget her diary. Like those are like some of the first things that are getting packed. So George forgot some like fireworks, whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. But like, no, she's not forgetting her diary. And Quidditch player is not forgetting his broom. No. So that didn't make sense, but not really a big deal. A bigger one is at the end, it said that, at the beginning, sorry, at the end of Harry's trip in the borough or time in the borough, it says that Mrs. Weasley conjured a sumptuous meal. And so it just makes me wonder again, how is someone poor in the wizarding world if you can just conjure a meal? Whatever you want. Why can't you just, why can't you just conjure a bigger house? Like maybe you have to have the goods to manipulate. And so she, when they say like she conjured a meal, that meant like she had whatever, a, turkey and then she used magic to like cook and prepare the turkey like maybe that but i signed a reddit that she just conjured it up from midair is how i interpreted it you make a good point because like as we as we learn in this chapter that arthur weasley puts the the charm into the car so that they can all fit in there comfortably it fits like six trunks uh, an, an owl a rat eight people like or something 25 like that. people yeah exactly so it why can't they just do that to their house because in this chapter you're learning about them rushing they through the, in the morning and like squeezing by each other they could and just, they have the, the the tent too right like that's right. Yeah. Where it's huge inside. So yeah, it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense that being poor, like maybe they might be poor in the sense that they're not getting money, but they can still feed themselves. And it looks like they could still live comfortably based on having magic that shouldn't be maybe money has like a different status in, in the wizarding yeah, world where agreed. you can still have those things and still have the luxuries of what we would find to be signs of wealth and like a big house or a nice car that type of thing but yeah i don't know it it must mean something different it's just interesting yeah you are right yeah i have a hard time understanding how that how it's really possible (laughs) another thing i had a hard time understanding was how ron managed to snap his wand in half so these are the kind of my thoughts on this if his wand was in his pocket let's say Mm -hmm. it would have to get caught on something and then have some manner of force pressed against it. So it's not happening if it's in his pocket. 
he had it out because he was trying to cast a spell on the steering wheel to get it to start again. Okay, good catch. So I missed that. So it's out. Mm -hmm. So he then hits the tree and it presumably goes flying. It would then have to get stuck and be like essentially forcibly withheld so that something would then crack. Like the chances of it snapping seem so low. Like maybe he was holding it and then, and then he fell and he kind of braced himself with it. Like, that's the only possibility. That's the so only way that like I it, see it. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a much more realistic scenario would have been him losing his wand. But that I makes more I sense if it pops out the window and like into the limbs of yeah. the tree or something. Or when the car is like throwing all their items out if they just can't find it. But I don't, I don't think it would have snapped. But that's it. Anything from you? More so like at the beginning of the chapter... Harry is describing his last night in the burrow, and they again they have that that mo- that uh, what you would call it the uh, meal and everything, and then Fred and George set off fireworks in the house that last for half an hour apparently, and I just I don't really get that because when I think fireworks, I think loud and unbearable to be close by, and how that wouldn't be upsetting or or allowed. So. I didn't quite understand that. And then basically just, I think that was about it. It was kind of, it didn't make sense to me that Molly also didn't understand that the car had been kind of charmed. Enhanced. Enhanced. Yeah, I agree. Because she's a great, you never know that it was this roomy from the outside. These muggles sure have things figured out with their, their vehicles. Yeah. It's sort of some ignorance that we saw a little bit in the last chapter too. They just don't really understand how people function without magic and there's a little bit of an over-dependence. Yeah. So. And then kind of along that point as well, but I mean like the whole way that the, that all these wizards and witches get transported through to Hogwarts via this one train that leaves at one specific time once a year. So you have hundreds of these wizards and witches who come to king's cross station all on the same day every year and like isn't someone from a muggle like isn't someone going to be bound to notice this if you have everyone coming in and then vanishing and stuff because it kind of seems like they have to when they are running through the portal they have to do it inconspicuously so that the muggles around them don't notice. Yeah. It just it just doesn't and make sense to me. How many people are in this friggin' school? Like, what, what did we decide? Like thousands? We were talking. Well, no, it said there was a thousand, and we're like, no, there's like a hundred and hundred and five. Yeah, but even and, that, yeah, so if, if there's a, had... if there's a thousand people lining up to randomly disappear, like I agree, it's just. And what if you could not get there that day? There maybe should be a few like. The train's going to leave every day for um, at 10 o'clock for those this week. You got to get there one day. Like, because again, we're not supposed to alert muggles to our existence. But yet there are many muggles that know that we exist and we, it, it, it's all, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And just why does it have to be at King's Cross? You could have it like in a back alley, a field. In a, abandoned yeah, exactly. parking lot, right? Like anyway, there's just, it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> No, that's very, that's very, that's a very good point. I had a couple like random thoughts that I don't really have a category for here. The Dumbledore scene really stuck out to me where he just comes in, is super calm. And Harry says it would have been better if he shouted. Mm -hmm. Just sort of, again, showing his like gravity. I I thought that was a good, a good, a good scene from him. 
or he just wants to know why did you do this not angry just like why did you like i think that really sunk into them for at least that moment in time that it was a really bad idea it's such a parental move right it's the whole i'm not mad i'm just disappointed like it, it it's seems not 100 like, though yeah it, it seems like dumbledore is that parental figure in a mm-hmm. way for or that's what harry kind of sees him as after the last year or so uh, a couple other things i thought that it was kind of funny that all the students thought it was hilarious because it seems very realistic that if that were to happen yes there's this huge consequence that we haven't been um thinking about but the kids don't care no they just think it's hilarious that you flew a car so I thought that was pretty good. Uh, I thought that fact that uh, this didn't cost them any house points whatsoever was ridiculous considering. I, I liked the loophole that he used. Technically, the, the school year hadn't started, so he can't lose house points. Yeah, that was clever. Um, I'll, I don't want to dwell on this because we're going to talk about house points after the next chapter too. Um, but again, it's just a dumb system. <laughs> the last thing, which I think is actually maybe, wor- maybe worthy of like a quick conversation here, is the Dursleys came up a few times in this chapter, just sort of in Harry's thoughts, but I hadn't really considered it from their perspective. And their perspective is essentially this. Harry runs away and then just shows up again next summer. I'm curious to see what that's going to be like, because I don't quite really remember. I mean, I remember, I kind of remember how, like, one particular scene where they're at the playground with what he's getting bullied by Dudley, but I don't really know what his return is like. And yeah, it is kind of a weird perspective. Like you have your angsty little 12, 13 year old who runs away. You don't know where he is or what he's doing. And then you literally don't know yeah. anything. Yeah. I mean, you just wouldn't even know I don't if he's feel alive s- at that point. But exactly. I, I don't feel sorry for them. I just think it's an interesting scenario. Yeah, it really is because it's just, yeah, you don't really think about it from their perspective or like whether they would even really care or not, but who knows? You would think like at that point, you would not expect him to return. Yeah, you think that and, that would be the is. end, especially after, especially what he had to go through to to leave there to get out really being yeah. locked in, so. <laughs> yeah, so that, I thought that was kind of a thing. Anything else on this chapter you want to talk about? Um, again, like they... It, it, goes over the flu powder and why it was needed because they couldn't they either had to travel by car or by flu powder when they were with underage witches witches and wizards because underagers are not allowed to just apparate which is like right the standard way and then it just got me thinking about is like flu powder really like the safest way that you want to be transporting your underage and youth when we see all the issues with it so you should see some more port keys probably yes yeah. <laughs> uh what do you have here for any quotes it's just more of like a foreshadowing thing and kind of neat how it was brought up in the previous book and we made mention of it and then i'm gonna make mention of it again here basically <laughs> I think you're gonna steal mine this wasn't yeah. the first time that snape had given the impression of being able to read mine so it's just kind of that was that one of the quotes I wrote down as well. I thought that was very, because we're looking for it and we're waiting for this type of thing. I never would have like dwelled, dwelled, nope. dwelled, dwelled, dwelled. I never yeah. would have dwelled, dwelled on that before, but there was sitting there and we know he can. So I thought that was cool. Uh, one of the ones that I liked thought on more of a funny side as after Professor McGonagall informs them that uh, maybe they should have just sent a letter with the owl that they were holding in their hands 
Harry goes, I, I didn't think, and she cuts him off and goes, that is obvious. <laughs> and I just, yeah, it, what a stupid plan it was. And I'm glad she put them in their place. So that takes us to uh, MVP and LVP. And there's really not that many characters in these chapters, so limited options. Yeah. Um, LVP, I think we'll talk about it here. And we're just going to choose between is it Harry's, is it, is it a worse offense by Harry or is it a worse offense by Ron? Yeah, that's really what the question is. Um, I, I went the worst offense by Ron here because he really didn't think that through. I mean, I know Harry just goes along with it, which is not the type of thing that he normally does. But ultimately, I think that that falls under Ron's scope because not only did he not think it through, I mean, he's also putting his dad's job and reputation at work in danger as well by doing that. Exactly. And and, and a couple of points you can add there is he did a bad job driving the car, uh, <laughs> crashing into the tree. And he didn't consider that the car wouldn't even be able to make it that far. Yeah. Like, Whenever I get in the car to drive anywhere, I check, do I have enough gas? Did that even like consider like, I think maybe the car ran out of gas could be why the engine died. Could be. Um, so he didn't even think about that. And then on the Harry side, like at the end of the day, he's just the one going along with it. Yeah, would have really liked him to say, this is a terrible idea, let's wait. But he's also 12, he's not. He's not fully developed yet. Yeah. And, you know, he, he, he noticed that Percy was pretty upset when Ron was starting to really enjoy the attention of everybody else. And, you know, I, I just sort of got the, the sense that Harry appreciated a little bit more the gravity of what they had done. Yeah. Um, at least at this point, obviously, that's going to change uh, shortly. Mm -hmm. uh, but I said so to the same stuff, I, I went with Ron here. Yeah, so you're right. First... I mean, you make a good point there, too. Like, Ron really took in and absorbed like the popularity and like the, all the high-fiving from everyone because that that's that's what he wants right like we talked about yep. that in the first book he wants to stand out from the others and this was his way of doing that even though he didn't think it through yeah mvp mid very limited options yeah i feel like uh, there's really only one <laughs> okay well maybe let's see if we have uh let's see if we have the same one where did you go well i just i had to go with McGonagall um that's I, I, where I uh I went as well <laughs> like I don't know you you have to uh, appreciate that she maybe didn't really take any she didn't I wouldn't say she didn't take it seriously obviously she took it seriously she didn't expel them she didn't expel yeah. them she didn't take away points had a few good quips and stuff like yeah these are literally the, these are literally the points I'd written down a uh, few good quotes she didn't expel them she let them off the hook in terms of the house points. She let them know that Ginny made it into Gryffindor. Like yeah. the bar was so low here. It and really anything, was. Any, anything in the positive direction. So I was same way there. Yeah. Um, that is the first time we have been fully aligned on yeah. our most valuable and least valuable this, uh, this book. In all fairness, uh, it's we'll very limited, but. I mean, yeah, if you have limited options, you're going to increase that, that likelihood. But we'll see you maybe next chapter. We'll, there's not a lot of options for the choices again next chapter. But why don't we get into it? And you can tell us all about Glittery Lockhart. Glittery Lockhart. I think I even as a kid, I think I recall reading it. And it was always, I didn't know that name. Gilderoy. It's not a common name. I don't think I've ever met anyone named Gilderoy. Have you? I'm going to Google the name Gilderoy. 
Tell me one famous person who, with the name Gilderoy. Who are the who are famous Gilderoy? So if you Google Gilderoy, the first couple entries are Gilderoy Lockhart. But of if course. we go to the Wikipedia article, Gilderoy may refer to Gilderoy, Victoria, which is a bounded rural locality in Victoria, Austria. Gilderoy the Outlaw uh, is a Scottish outlaw and blackmailer who was executed in 1636. And Gilderoy Lockhart. So no, I think it's I think it's pretty telling Avery. when you when you Google Gilderoy and Gilderoy Lockhart is the basically the only thing that comes up on the first page. Yeah, it's <laughs> let me just try a quick famous Gilderoy and see if that uh, if that helps anything. No, we just got Gilderoy Lockhart and Gilderoy Yellow. So, <sighs> well, now that I know that name, I still might call him Glittery because yeah, I think he could be Glittery for for a while here. So yeah, why don't we go through chapter six, Glittery Lockhart, and you can uh, fill us in on what happened. All right, so things open up in the Great Hall the uh, morning after, and it's mail time. So Ron receives a scarlet letter and both he and uh, Neville who's nearby are, are horrified at the sight of it meanwhile Harry and Hermione don't really know what they're scared about so they reveal that Ron has received a howler basically it's a letter that amplifies the the writers yelling tenfold and basically reams people out in in front of everyone so Neville tells Ron that he better open it and just get it over with as it's worse if he doesn't open it right away. Ron opens it and Molly's voice is amplified through the Great Hall and she's reaming out Ron for stealing the car, uh, asking him what he was thinking, telling him that Arthur is now facing an inquiry at work and he better not have one toe out of line at Hogwarts this year, otherwise he'll get pulled out of, pulled out of the school. Everyone in the Great Hall is listening at this time and kind of laughing and snickering. And then after it goes silent, all the conversation resumes again. So today is the uh, first day of classes. We get to see a variety of the classes that he takes or that the, that the kids are taking. Uh, the first class that they take is a double herbology lesson with the Hufflepuffs. Uh, they get to the greenhouses and they're waiting for Professor Sprout, who arrives and she's bandaged up from taking care of the the whomping willow and she arrives alongside professor lockhart here glittery lockhart who is looking immaculate so lockhart pulls harry away from class for a few minutes and he's blaming himself for giving harry the uh, the fame bug uh, after appearing on the front page of the paper when they had met at diagon alley so he thinks that this action uh, drove made harry want to drive the car to the school so that he could get more famous and get more people talking about him uh, and says meanwhile though that harry's got a lot of time to develop himself and maybe one day he could become as famous as as professor lockhart and win the most charming smile award five times in a row, which he, he mentions multiple times in, in this chapter. He uh, wants you to know that it's uh, specifically which weekly. Which weeklies charming smile award five yeah. times. That is correct. So in herbology class, the kids are, are potting mandrakes. They're these little baby-like plants that have these loud shrieks that are fatal when they're older. Uh, these ones, though, since they're little babies, they just make you faint for a few hours. 
the reason why they're dealing with these things is because they contain restorative properties that can help heal people who have been cursed or, or transfigured. Uh, so the next class they go to is Transfiguration, where they're turning beetles into buttons. And Ron is particularly having issues because even though he tried taping his wand together, it's not really working. So it's expelling smoke that smells like rotten eggs and sparks all over the place. At lunch, Harry meets uh, Colin Creevy. He's a muggle-born wizard who is in his first year in Gryffindor and is quite the Harry Potter fan. So he has this camera and he asks if he can take a picture with Harry and if Harry can sign it. Malfoy overhears this and starts mocking Harry for giving away autographs. And Lockhart is also nearby and he swoops in and then says that he'll offer Colin a photo with both Harry and Lockhart in it and then they'll both sign it for him. Harry walks away with Lockhart after, or rather Lockhart walks away with Harry after and uh, he says that he's saving him because he was concerned that he was making it himself come across as too cocky offering signed photos to other classmates. So Lockhart starts his defense against the, the dark arts class with a 54 question quiz about him, his personality and all of his de uh, desires and it's nothing actually school related. Uh, Hermione aces this test. It's pretty obvious she's pretty into Lockhart at this point. He decides in the last little portion of class to unleash these Cornish pixies, which are these little eight-inch troublemaking bugs, basically, into the class, and he gets to see how they fend for themselves. They destroy the classroom. It's total chaos, and Lockhart attempts this spell, but it's of no use because before he can even finish the spell, pixies throw his wand out the window. The bell rings, so class is ending, and Lockhart leaves. He, he leaves Harry, Ron, and Hermione there to, to round them up and says that they can handle the rest of them. So Hermione gets the job done, freezing them bit by bit, and she excuses Lockhart for, uh, she, uh, she excuses Lockhart basically by saying that he's given them hands-on experience. Harry thinks he was useless. And then Hermione says, you've read his books. Look at all the amazing things he's done, to which, done, which Ron quips, says he's done. So that's our, our overview here of, of this chapter. Yeah. So let's start back at the beginning. And let's mm -hmm. talk a bit about the Howler. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? I think that when it comes to discipline, yelling at someone, whether it be in person or through a letter, is not a very efficient way of parenting. So I was, I'm a little disappointed that these things exist, obviously, Neville had seen it before because he had clearly been reamed out. And I think even when you look at Neville and his personality, if I'm assuming probably the Howlers have played a part in that anxiousness for him. So I just don't really think it's a very efficient thing. I, I think there can also be some discussion about like, why did Ron have to open it up right away? Well, okay. Yeah, I mean... I was going to save this for my least valuable conversation, but opening it at the kitchen table in front of everyone in the dining hall is such a terrible decision. Terrible decision. Uh, I, I wanted to look you it could up have, a bit. You, you could have taken the howler, stepped into the hallway, find one of the thousands of open classrooms and just dealt with it there. Yeah. I'm not suggesting not opening it. 
I don't know that I agree that it's not an effective way of dealing with the situation because it really depends on the person. Like some people, like Neville, if you yell at them, they're going to sink into their hole and it's going to cause more anxious for sure. Other people, that's what they like. That's how that's how they need. I, I'm not recommending it by any stretch, but I don't know that it's it, it's so terrible. And we saw sort of in the last chapter, Harry made a comment about if Dumbledore had yelled, it would have been um, better, even better than him. So I don't know. I didn't really have much to think about it. Like I've certainly been yelled at before. Uh, not my favorite, but I also, it doesn't really bother me. Like, yeah, the, I'm not going to sink in. It's just, there's what I thought was interesting is what it gave you was like, it, honestly, it's like a, a phone message versus if you write it in a letter, if you're that angry and you write it in a letter, it's not coming across. across. So, and they don't have telephones because, you know, we don't use muggle technology. So they had limited options. The delivery of the message is an interesting conversation of what, but I, I, it, it's a, it works. He, he is very concerned about breaking rules going forward. Yeah. Like in this book. It, is it the way I would do it? Probably, hopefully not. But So I looked into why Ron had to open it right away. And what's described with Howler is not really described in this anyway, but in the world of Harry Potter, the longer you wait to open it, the louder and more violent basically the message becomes until it gets oh, to a point where it will actually just like disintegrate and explode if it's not opened and shouting curses and that type of thing. So the purpose so maybe... of it is you have to open it as soon as you get it. So it's not as violently loud and disruptive and destructive. Interesting. So maybe the howler itself is manipulating the message. It seems like it. That's interesting. So, yeah. So that I doesn't excuse about... him opening it in the uh, dining hall. I think you could have ran outside it and taken it where not everyone was currently having breakfast. Yeah. It, it all depends. Like if you have 30 seconds or something, or if you have a minute to open it, you might not be able to get to a place, especially when you're in a public area where everyone gets their mail and in, in the great hall. So I don't know, maybe, maybe Ron didn't have any choice, but to, because if he would have waited even like another 30 seconds or something, it could have been worse. I mean, Neville said he ignored his for quite a while. So like, I find it hard to believe that he couldn't have, even if it wasn't completely secluded, gotten to a more secluded area. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I don't really know if that's the most effective way of doing things. I'd rather have I agree, but I mean, you can't phone but... them. You can't phone them, so, <laughs> yes. so what are you going to do? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree. There, there, there should have been a better medium to transmit that message, but maybe, maybe there isn't. So that's the best they could do. If that's the best they could do, they should really try and find a way to do better. The other thing that really happens in this chapter is we get more Lockhart. Yes. Last week, we sort of talked about how he kind of reminded us of Dr. Oz. I'm not sure that I still think that because he seems dumber than I remembered. Like he seems so oblivious than I like initially considered. Like he doesn't like read Professor Sprout's uh, reaction when he asks if like he can take Harry for a second and he's just like a, a 
decision to assume that Harry is looking out for fame because of that one interaction. He's like looking for it because when I thought of him, I thought of him more as like a really, really good people reader. And that's how he was able to kind of pull the wool over all these people's eyes. And it's, I don't know, I don't know who a better example is, but somebody who's like obviously a fraud, but still somehow convinces like a small gathering is like a better example. And maybe that, like, maybe that's Dr. Oz still, but I don't know. I, it, he seemed dumber than I remember here. If, if I what, needed, what did sur- you think? if I needed surgery, I'd want a real doctor and not Dr. Oz to do it. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like he's obviously a people person. I mean, the way that he's written in this book, you see that he's a fraud right off the bat. Like there's not much up for debate about that, but he still does manage to trick people, even smart people. Like mm-hmm. her mind. This is the issue. Right. Yeah. Like even like, her to the point. And I don't know if it's like the sex appeal or, or something or his looks. I think that's something. what we're supposed to believe. I think a little so. bit. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like yeah. you, you, you get so many red flags right off the bat here in this chapter. I mean, you see you see right away that like it was clearly Professor Sprout who did all the hard work with the Whomping Willow and he comes by afterwards having not like a single bandage or a bump or a bruise from like trying to tend it, but he takes the credit for the work. We see him run away because he's not able to handle the uh, these pixies. I mean, you see him spend the majority of the lesson just having a quiz that fills his ego basically about all of his personal I like the quiz I thought the and... quiz I thought the quiz was funny um but he's 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 very he's definitely deluded like he's definitely convinced himself to some extent that he did some of these things he must be to a point but like yeah he he, he is deluded because he believes it but mm-hmm. he can't back it up so when anyone sees him in any of those situations like it should be pretty evident that He can't. I mean, like Harry and Ron, for as stupid as they were in taking the car in the previous chapter, they like the bullshit, their bullshit meter, like is going through the roof this chapter when it comes to him. They can they can smell him from a mile away that he's not who he says he is. Another thing that bugged me was the fact that like, okay, the first lesson had all those questions about like, what 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 does he want most in the world? What's his favorite color? I can't remember what else was on there, but all these personal questions. And then ideal he, present. Ideal present, that's right. And then he doesn't even teach him a charm or a spell. He just opens up this cage and is like, all right, let's see what you can do. Like there was no lesson there whatsoever. It's just absurd. Interesting that a fraud would take a job that would put them in such scrutiny. Yeah. That is a good point. I don't know if it's because... I think it comes I back mean, to he's a little bit deluded. It, yeah, deluded, thinking that he is capable and, and qualified well, think, for the job. And then he gets to call himself a professor as well, right? Like, Yeah, I, I think the, the bigger delusion is he believes he can just convince anybody. Um, and it seems like he he really does convince the, the, the female side of the population that we encounter here. Um, they seem to to believe what he says just because it's in a book and the boys seem to think he's useless. And I wonder how much of it is a little bit of jealousy that all the girls are so into this one professor. Like, so my, my big takeaway here is he's dumber than I remembered him being. 
Yeah, yeah, um, he's, he's a total fraud. And for someone who's a fraud and became a fraud based on being able to convince people he's somebody he's not, he's a really bad, he's really bad at reading people. Like he misreads those Harry situations so poorly. Harry, yeah, it, put, it puts Harry in like a really awkward spot too because like he doesn't know how to react to it but everything and even everything that he says to him is just like wow i really hate this guy where he's harry potter is arguably like the most famous kid in in the wizarding world and he treats and belittles harry like he still has like so much room to grow before he can be consider himself famous and how harry is nowhere near as famous as him and stuff like it's I'd be infuriated a little bit if I were Harry because it's like, hey, I've actually done something while he doesn't really remember it, but he did manage to survive like the attack from Voldemort. Whereas this guy who claims all this fame has done none of it and doesn't deserve any of the accolades that he has received. No, he's, it's a very interesting, interesting person. Yeah, I got nothing else on Lockhart. Anything else you want to touch on? No, that, that, that's really about it. I just, yeah, I can, I, I know that we're going to like list our, our defense against the dark arts teachers after this one. And there's only two to pick from, but I already know which one I hate more. So <laughs> that'll be worth spending some time thinking about because I have an initial reaction and then my gut tells me my initial reaction is wrong. So I'm looking forward to debating that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of Lockhart's, um, misreading of the Harry situation. I'd actually forgotten about that, mm-hmm. that he just kept appearing and thinking Harry was trying to be famous. I know that he tried, that he does like the, the punishment Harry gets is um, signing fan mail and they talk about being famous there, but I'd forgotten that Lockhart just assumed he was doing all of these things, trying to, again, be famous. So I'd forgotten that, those couple scenes. And something that I had forgotten that closed a plot hole that I thought was there was about I had thought that mandrakes for some reason only cured people who had been petrified mm. um, and that is not that useful a thing because how often are people getting petrified but it turns out they're much more like much more useful they can turn out uh, a lot, they're used in lots of potions it can help with someone who's been transfigured or, or a bunch of other different curses so they're much yeah. more versatile so it makes way more sense that they'd be growing them and not just a coincidence that they happen to be growing them the year they absolutely needed them i had forgotten that they were essentially like little guys and i had forgotten that i guess there's bigger ones that are actually fatal if you uh, yeah I forgot. yeah that that had also slipped I mean, away yeah besides that and then just how hermione was so taken by Lockhart I had kind of forgotten that to the point where she was drawing little hearts over all, all the defense against the dark arts classes in her in her in her notebook and stuff so I mean we're kind of seeing like I guess you'd expect that to be like peak 12 year old girl behavior at that point so she is kind of I don't know you always think of of her being like adult and very mature but I guess she's still a kid and kind of shows that here but she is the wool as you said earlier, pulled over her eyes and in this one for sure. To me, not a lot of like things that didn't make sense other than if you look past the fact that a grown man assumed a 12-year-old was trying to be famous at every turn. Here are the house points Hermione earned in this one day of school. 30 points. 
She got 20 in Herbology for knowing the answers to two questions. She got 10 in Defense Against the Dark Arts for answering a question. Everyone freaked out when they lost 150 points. But here, in the very first day of school, one student earned 30 points. The scales <laughs> is so off. Like the end of the year points should have been in like the like tens of thousands. And That's I think true. they had like 6,000 or something. Like 150 points should have been nothing. It should at have the, been nothing. At that rate. Um, I mean, yeah. If I you're think... getting 10 points for getting a question right, Slytherin won with like six or 700 points, I think, or something like that. Like, I don't even think they got over a thousand in the first year. So like, that's a huge chunk of percentage of their points, unless kids are losing them for questions they get wrong or something. Like there has to be that, that up and down motion to it, but that doesn't seem to be the, the issue here. It's like you get points for doing well in school and then you lose points for breaking rules, essentially. But I've never yeah, seen anyone. I've never seen anyone answer a question, get it wrong, and then they say, "Well, that's negative ten points from Gryffindor." <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. And so it just seems like I'm trying to pull up how many points they had. Here it is. Yeah, so they had four hundred and seventy-two. Four hundred. Yeah, exactly. So, so five hundred points. And with the first day of school, Hermione got thirty herself. <laughs> Those numbers were too low. The totals don't make sense. If, if you got three points for getting those three questions right, and then you lost 150, okay. Now we're talking. A little more but, in sync. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. Uh, otherwise, I didn't really have much to complain about this chapter. Yeah, I, I, I really only just had one little nitpicky thing, but after the whole, we meet the Colin Creevy kid, and then Ron says... You'd better hope Creevy doesn't meet Ginny or they'll be starting a Harry Potter fan club. They're both first-year Gryffindors who take classes together. So it'd be a miracle if they didn't meet, basically. That was the only thing that I... <laughs> yeah, okay, good call. Good call. <laughs> um, the only other thought I really had on this chapter, I thought it was telling, in hindsight, how proud Lockhart of, of his Witch Weekly five times most charming smile award like he, talk, he brings it up a lot was um, it I, it might have been even brought up earlier on in the book too i wouldn't be was. surprised yeah yeah uh and, and um knowing that he's a fraud now it's it's the only thing he gets credit for that he, that he did like it's his smile he's an attractive man i guess but all of the other things he gets credit for he didn't actually do and so i think that's why this is so important to him that's um, a good point and it's like a it's like a little breadcrumb that uh, I'm not sure I'd, I'd picked up on before. Yeah, no, that makes sense for sure. I, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's very astute. I mean, even um, I guess on that point too, like even the last line is interesting where, where Ron um, even foreshadows being like, well, that's what he says he does anyway. So it's well, yeah, neat, that's, uh, uh, that's the quote I had, I had captured for this chapter, actually. <laughs> he says he's done. And I, I think it's important, actually, that we see Ron be the first person to, to really put the doubt of Lockhart into the reader, because we don't, again, we talked about this in our, I mean, our movie recap, um, how we don't really see Ron contributing to the team that much as we go through, but he is. He's the first person to start doubting Lockhart. We find out, obviously, that he's right. And now, could be many reasons why he doubts him, but he's not. The, the bottom line is that he's correct. Like he solved this issue. So mm -hmm. that was why I, I chose that quote. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I didn't really have much to add. Uh, basically, like Malfoy is still a dick. When still he says, dick. yeah, Weasley would like a signed photo potter. It'd be worth more than his family's whole house. And then kind of even just the, the even the line, the line from Ron, which is eat slugs, Malfoy, to which Ron will do later. So, <laughs> yeah, Ron has an obsession with slugs that we, uh, that we see here. Okay, should we move on to our least and most valuables here? Yeah, um, I had two potential candidates for least valuable. I have a feeling okay, we'll I have two as well. Okay. I think we're going to have two that are the same. Like we're going to have overlap and then one person different. So why don't you go, who are your candidates? Uh, so I had, which the one I'm sure is going to be the overlap is, is Mr. Glittery Lockhart. Um, useless this entire chapter. We learn more about him being a fraud. He essentially just sends like all these manic pixies into a bunch of, into a room with a bunch of 12 year olds and then doesn't know what to do with them after and can't control the situation. So, I mean, I, I had to go with him as one of them. The other one was uh, Colin Creevery. I, I just found creepy. him really creepy. Annoying. I, have a t I just found him annoying, gullible, little too over eager and like, just have some chill, dude. Like you, you got to chill down, chill out a little bit. Yeah, that, that's interesting. So, so we had no overlaps, um, ah. interestingly enough. Yeah, Colin Creevy. I'll have an issue if you choose him. He's just an overexcited kid who just found out magic existed. Um, <laughs> it's true, yeah. <laughs> I'll, give him the, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. So I thought Harry here, just the whole vibe of Harry of the, in this chapter, and he just can't seem to dodge Lockhart and get himself out of situations where it looks like he's trying to become famous. It's tough to fully blame him, but like he keeps putting himself in these really dumb spots. So I'm, I'm not going to go with Harry. So I'll reveal my choice in it and then... I think your choice is pretty clear, um, but we'll circle back for the finale I just, of it. For, for Harry, if I, if I may, like, I don't know if I can blame yeah. him for being in those situations. It's just wrong place, wrong time. And then Lockhart obviously has like a very overbearing and like... Yeah, that's fair. His, that's his fair. personality, like when he fills the room, like, you know, he, he wants you to know he's there, right? Yeah, that's, so, that's I mean, that's totally fair. Yeah. If I had chosen Harry, I now would have, have backtracked for sure. You're, you're absolutely correct. But Who else actually, I went with Neville because uh. Neville gave Ron the worst advice ever, which was to read this howler right away. I get you're like, obviously I made this choice before you provided the, re the research you just did there. But even if it's going to be worse, it would be better for it to be worse in private than the current level of bad in public. Like there's no way I would open that in front of the entire school. No way. That's fair. No, even if I, I just I took it to the Gryffindor that. common room and like all the Gryffindors heard it, like, and and he may or may not have, but Neville convinces him right away to open it right away. And Neville's the one person who's had one before. And like maybe that should lean me to think like, oh, he knows how bad it is if you delay. But he also made it seem like he delayed like a long time. Yeah, or I'm not sure. Not a few minutes. Yeah. And then I, it's it's not really Neville's fault necessarily that the Pixies picked him up, but he did let himself be captured by Pixies. That's true. He so, did. So I'm going to go with Neville here. I just thought, you know what, Neville, you're not, you're not helping. Interesting. I also feel bad about picking on Ron. And well, he didn't uh, necessarily do anything too bad this scenario situation he was other thing i don't know why lockhart never even crossed my mind maybe he was just <laughs> it's like, kind of so strange i gotta say so yeah obviously the right answer but 
yeah, so I'll, I'll stick with Neville. Uh, Glittery Lockhart is probably the correct answer, um, just for essentially being pretty uh, self-centered mm -hmm. for lack and oblivious. And oblivious. And All an right. idiot, just in general. All of the above. I had a hard time with MVP again. Yeah, there wasn't really anyone who necessarily stood out head and shoulders above the rest like there I don't know like and this is what I struggle with sometimes with these is like you got to determine the weight like do you want some can do you give it to someone who was in there throughout the entirety of the chapter do you give it to someone who played a smaller role because I could maybe give it to like Professor Sprout or something like that for the work that she did and tending to the the Whomping yeah. Willow. I think especially, you got to give her a lot of credit for that. Especially in these early chapters where we're, we're not really getting um, payoff for any of their actions. We're just getting a lot of setup. Yeah. It's it's been a bit trickier here in these uh, this second book early on to make some choices. Yeah. Um, so who'd you go with? I ended up going with with Hermione. Um, she, Me too. You too. I also did. Yeah. I, I feel like part of me wanted to put her up as a least valuable candidate because she is totally fooled by Lockhart and gives into it and I think that's absolutely silly of her but well in... so here's my counter here's my counter to that because it's a valid point to at least discuss this is someone who is obsessed with books and this is really her first interaction with him in real life yes there was the, the bookstore but that doesn't yeah. really count and so imagine reading about all these great things this person has done and now you become a little bit obsessed with them yeah and they're like an attractive relatively i don't know how old docker is supposed to be but like in the age where it's not like that weird for school girls to have a crush on you like i can see it i can see yeah. how she at the at this point in the very first class, i can see why she's still sort of under that spell so to speak that's fair that makes uh, sense. So, so that's why I think she becomes exempt from the least valuable. And then when you talk about what she did to sort of become most valuable, again, like we said, there's not a lot of things here. But my thoughts were, she did figure out, solved all the pixie issues. Um, I really liked that once she thought the boys had been appropriately punished for flying the car, then she didn't care anymore. She turned she it didn't off. Hold that grudge, yeah. And and her issue again was that they could have been hurt and like why she was upset with them. So once she thought they'd been approached upon as she was in, it's not a lot. So I'm hoping you have some better reasons you chose her. <laughs> no, I mean, like, really, it's just oh, no. because she had a good day at school. She turned, uh, yeah, she, oh. turned she turned numerous uh, buttons or beetles into buttons. She didn't kill her beetle like uh, Ron does in this in this chapter. 30 points. She ends up yeah she gets 30 points she ends up i don't know if she clears the room of the pixies or not but she's the most efficient she's, in clearing them yeah, by she's freezing the only one them, who does anything so. useful yeah so yeah. i mean basically for those for those reasons i you got to give it to her <laughs> agreed she's really yeah by default so that's it for this week uh, yeah we'll be back again next week talking uh mudbloods and murmurs and the death day party um so maybe we'll have a little bit more cut and dry MVP, LVP combos. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to see. 
I have a feeling Malfoy will be mentioned in one of those in one of these chapters. Yeah, but uh... he may or may not have already <laughs> had his name penciled in to the least valuable for that one chapter. Although it might be, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but Ron also doesn't come across great here. I don't quite recall so, too much about these, so I'm looking forward to going. The mudbloods and murmurs, I, I have a better memory of i think if it fits what i think it is all i remember about the death day party is that it wasn't in the movie that will be interesting the memory is i know it existed but i don't want to know anything about what it was so we should get some some at least some good discussion points to talk about there i think so yeah um in the meantime though until next time give us a follow on instagram at harry potter reread podcast you can also send us an email harry potter reread podcast at gmail.com would love to know your thoughts maybe on the past two chapters other things that you want to hear us discuss coming up we'd we'd love to hear from you absolutely we're available where you get podcasts we will be back next friday and uh hopefully you will join us i'm david and that was kyle bye